Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? It's a, it's a busy morning, isn't it? Lots of different things going on. Can't hear at the moment. No? <laughs> well, I'll talk for a little bit. And um, you put your thumbs, in, thumbs up when you can hear me, okay? Front row can hear, so you can have to move forward, I think. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, that would be absolutely great. I guess at the moment you still can't hear me. I have a feeling I may be losing my voice by the end of this, the, uh, end of this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's Church Hastings and uh, it's my privilege to lead the team. Oh, that's great. I've never seen the back three rows so responsive. So, you, you've na- you now set you know, some standards that I expect you to keep throughout the morning, okay? Brilliant. I've been very much looking forward to this morning um, because I think it reflects something of who we are as a church. And I've entitled this morning, The Church Gathered and The Church Dispersed. Because I believe God is calling us as a church to have amazing times when we gather together and we worship and encounter God in real and vibrant ways, just like we did this morning. Do you notice his presence at the end? Do you get a sense of him? It was amazing, wasn't it? Sort of touched him. And yet God's also calling us to be a church dispersed. A church that takes what God has done in our hearts and takes it to people that don't know anything about Jesus. That's why we're re-engineering what we're doing midweek. Not because what we were doing was bad, or even particularly because it was wrong. But it's because God has done so much in us, it's wrong if we don't commit time and effort and energy to go and tell people that don't know the love of, that sa- of a saviour like we know. Last week I preached on these verses and um, about a quarter of the way through I gave up on my notes and just thought I'd go with the flow a little bit and I think the PowerPoint uh, operator struggled a bit to keep up with me. So Jan, you're going to have to be on the ball this morning because I've decided I'm not even going to attempt the first 25% keep to my notes. I think we just go with the flow and see where, um, see how it goes, see where we end up. I'm not going to preach for very long this morning because we've got the gift day at the end. And uh, we're going to be bringing Megamix and Wrigglers are going to be joining us because it's a family occasion. It's family business what we're involved in. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence with us right now. I thank you, Lord, in in many ways you're everywhere. And you are. You fill the whole earth. And yet, yet we know it's clear from Scripture that there are times and seasons where you turn up in your glory, in your power. I thank you. One of the things I want to talk about this morning is that we are being built together to become a dwelling place 
where God lives by His Spirit. And I pray that this morning would not be, and I thank you Lord it hasn't been so far, words only, but we've experienced you. And I pray that we would experience fresh waves of your grace and your power. I pray we would experience fresh faith rising in our hearts as we look at your church. As we look at your church and your kingdom. As we look at your church as a family. As we look at your church a dwelling place for your spirit. I pray our hearts would be changed. We'd encounter the living God. Come and have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2. And rather than reading the whole passage, we're going to pick it up from verse 19. Well, nearly. I'll start at verse 13, actually. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Then it says a bit more, and then in verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. I want to, like I did last week, take the three illustrations from verses 19 to 22 and spend just a little bit of time looking at each of them and what it tells us about God's church. What does it tell us about who we are as a New Testament Bible-believing church? What are we to be? Now, I touched on different aspects last time I spoke last week, so this morning I'm going to pick up different aspects I didn't get chance to uh, look at then. Church and the Kingdom. It says in verse 19, Consequently, You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. Do you know the God we worship is the King? Do you know he's the King? And we have been transferred from one kingdom to another. In Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14, it says this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sunny loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When we became Christians, we didn't just enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but actually we transferred kingdoms. Do you know your nationality changed? It changed. Suddenly, the way that you interacted with the world, the way you interacted with reality changed. There was something different that took place because you were included in Christ Jesus. In Colossians um, verse 14 it says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Before, you were part of a kingdom and you knew nothing of what it was to be forgiven. 
You knew nothing about what it was to be forgiven, but when you became a Christian, you entered a new kingdom. And Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. And do you know what? You suddenly knew what it was to receive forgiveness. Do you know the grottiest thing you've ever done? The worst thought you've ever had? The thing that you said and you wished you had not said, but suddenly it was out there and it was too late. Offences that you've made before God and you knew you'd made them, and even things that you've done before God and you had no idea you'd done them. Because you're in a different kingdom, this kingdom works with forgiveness at its heart. You are a forgiven people because Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. Do you know that? The kingdom works differently. It's not, it's not just now you know Jesus and he's your friend. You're in a different kingdom. You can experience forgiveness of sins. You have experienced forgiveness of sins. Do you know though that people don't, who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, they know nothing of that forgiveness. They know nothing of that grace that is just freely available to you and what, what you enjoy every day. Every morning you can wake up knowing what? There is fresh mercy available for you. It's there. Why? Because Jesus died for you. We're, we're a redeemed people. We're a chosen people. Why? Because God has died for us. We're in a different kingdom. It's all gone. All of the rotten mess that you've got yourself into, all of the things you wish you'd never done, it's all been paid for, it's all been wiped clean. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid for your sins and you're in a new kingdom and it works in a different way. And sometimes we get ourselves in a bit of a tiz because we don't realise things are now completely different. There is a different reality that we are now working with. We're in a new kingdom. We're different. And sometimes in the cut and thrust of life, we forget just how different we are. And we take for granted God's wonderful mercy that he has lavished in on our lives. And we forget to thank him for every blessing that he has given to us. We're part of a new kingdom. John the Baptist. No, it wasn't John the Baptist, it was Jesus. Said this, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Anyone else know the rest of it? Anyone shout it out? Anyone can be forceful here? That's right, Tony. And forceful men, like, and women, Bridget, well done, <laughs> lay hold of it. God's kingdom has been advancing. As we sent out community groups this morning, that's what we were doing. We were sending them out. They're taking the kingdom with them. 
They've got a responsibility. We are, we are kingdom messengers. We are kingdom people. We are ex- looking to extend God's rule and reign beyond the boundaries of our lives and beyond the boundaries of this community into communities that know nothing of the grace and the love and the mercy and the joy found in Jesus Christ. That is what it's about. And this morning we've launched three off. As Natalie said, we've got another three to five that are backed up, that would like to go, but they're maybe not quite ready just yet. Let me encourage you, church, be forceful in getting involved. Do not be passive. Hastings is a passive town. It's within the culture of Hastings to be passive. We're just at the bottom of the A21. Rubbish just happens here. Our pier burnt down. I'm surprised the white rock didn't catch a light at the same time. (laughs) I suppose we should, you know, be grateful for small mercies. Didn't go through Priory Meadow and, you know, Hastings Centre's still here. That there's something of that within the culture of Hastings. It should not be in the church. We're a different people. We're part of a different kingdom. We're not part of the kingdom of Hastings. And we need to be active church in shaking some of that off us. I love this town. But we need to show something different. Why? Because we're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation belonging to God. We are different. Our DNA has been changed and we need to reflect that to our dear town so they taste and they see something different about us. It's not we're just going to try and work something up. We are different, church. And we need to display it. The kingdom forcefully advancing. We're not a kingdom of failure. We're a kingdom of success. We're not a kingdom with no hope. We're a kingdom with every hope. We're not a kingdom of it won't work. We're a kingdom of everything works together for the good of those who love him. We're not a kingdom of poverty. We're a kingdom of provision because God provides. We're not a a kingdom of deprivation. We're a kingdom of regeneration because God is at work in us. Amen, church? Do you remember Julian on Saturday morning telling us we needed to suck in compliments? When people give you a compliment, how you need to respond is not in a bashful, oh no, no, it's not really me. You need to suck it in and say, you got anything else you want to tell me? (laughs) Now, I don't know if he does that in other places, but it's very relevant for us because we don't like to hear compliments. So, on the count of three, I'm going to give you all a compliment, you're going to suck it in, and then you're going to ask me if there's anything else I want to tell tell you, okay? I've just got to think of one now. (laughs) You are a fantastic church. You are a generous church. 
You're a light on a hill. You're in the business of changing lives. The, the sucking is definitely dropping off here. Are you lacking energy here? You are outstanding people. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but we are different. We are... We're a kingdom people. I give you permission to rebuke each other if you hear each other saying or speaking in a way that is not kingdom, it's Hastings. Okay? In a friendly way, you know, Oi! No more talking that way. Okay? You do that for me? Thanks, Dave. You do that for me? Good. I haven't got a chance of getting this finished, you know. We're church of family. I picked up a lot last time about the difference between a consumer and a member of the family. Do you remember? The difference between a consumer and a member of the family. Consumers predominantly are about getting as much as they can and put, put in as little as possible. So I will give you a little bit, you give me as much as possible. When you're a family member, you just give extravagantly to the family because you're in the family, because you love the family. You are part of the family. What happens to your family members, it affects you. It's a bit like being part of a body. Do you know what I mean? If my hand is in pain, I, my whole body feels the pain. The same with a family. If one of my boys is struggling, then I, I, I feel that pain as well. One of the best ways to uh, find out whether you're a consumer or a family member is how you give your money. What attitude do you have in your heart as you're giving financially? Is it how little do I think I can get away with and God not be cross with me? I wonder if they'd give a bit more so I'd give a little bit less. We got a gift day this morning and it's, it's family business. So if you're not family in that sense, you'd sort of, you're coming along for a look, you'd, you'd say you're a visitor you can sort of have a bit of a doze over the next few minutes. But family members, can I ask you, give generously this morning. Your amazing generosity, I feel, has already caused so much to be accomplished. I feel the seasons and times of worship that we've experienced over the last few weeks, and it's odd, I can't explain it. Why does building a wall affect how our worship goes? I don't know, but it's stepped up. There's been a change, the physical environment. Here at the barn dance last night, which by the way went absolutely brilliantly, I again saw afresh just the benefit of having a wall. A wall, it seemed to make so much difference. I, you know, what's your visionary plan? We're going to build a wall. But it's really made a difference. 
And my heart really is, God, I mean, God's so good to us. It feels like God is just blessing us and blessing us and blessing us at the moment. And I mentioned before from this platform how, how someone is giving us the money to replace all of the carpet. That's tens of thousands of pounds. But someone's saying, no, I, I want to bless, bless the church. I want to bless the church and give, give money. All that it leaves left is what you're sat on. Can you bring the chairs forward, Kevin? Can someone give Kevin a hand with a few chairs? Don't worry, you look at me. I'm much more beautiful than Kevin. <laughs> True. All it leaves left is chairs. So this gift day this morning is to buy new chairs. These green chairs have served us really well. Um, they're green, they're functional, and they're pretty uncomfortable. My thinking and my logic is if we get comfier chairs, I can preach longer. And so I'm asking that you... Um, actually, I fancy sit down. I'm asking that in about 30 seconds... No, in a little while, when we give our money, that you'd give generously. We'd like to, we reckon we need to buy about 600 chairs. A couple of weeks ago we had 450 people in the building, which is absolutely brilliant. So we need about 600, giving just a little bit of room for God to show that he is God. And so that means for most of you, you've got to buy at least a chair for yourself and a chair for your kids if you've got kids. If you're pretty well off, I would say, oh, don't even bother counting in ones, count in tens. Because there are some people here at the thought of buying a chair, they're not quite certain how they're going to do it because they they haven't got enough money to do that. And so some of you, God's blessed with finance, you you just need to be really, really generous this morning. Because we want people to be comfortable when they're receiving Christ, don't we? And in a sense, as we buy chairs and 600 of them, what we're saying is, God, we've bought the chairs, you fill them. We don't just want 400 chairs or 420 or 450. We want enough chairs to show God is God. And so if I can just encourage you, even now as I'm speaking, if you didn't know it's a gift day today and you're a member of this church, shame on you. But we are a forgiving church, so we've put in the update an IOU form. So, hey, even if you haven't got a checkbook with you, start thinking now. How many visitors can I bring along? How many chairs do we need? How many do I need? The first 5,000 of what we give we want to send to New Frontiers, which is a family of churches we're part of, to support what they are doing. But after that, it's to buy chairs. Cool, it is comfy, you know. Wouldn't it be great if you had a chair like this to sit on? We're going to... um, (laughs) And this is a serious point. At the end of the meeting, we're going to put them back the other side of the grey doors. We'd like you to sit on them and tell us which one you think is the most comfortable. And the last thing, the last um, part is uh, Paul talks about the church and the kingdom. He talks about the church being and being part of God's household. Lastly, he talks about the church, a dwelling place for the Spirit. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. What a privilege. What a privilege that 
that we are the place, when we gather together, the church, when community groups go out, what a privilege, we are a dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. What a privilege. We're not a place predominantly where the Bible is preached accurately. We're not a place predominantly where people do real loving community. Although both those things are true, we are a place where God lives by his spirit. No longer has God chosen to live in some man-made structure, however magnificent, he's chosen to dwell in the local church. The awesome privilege of God's presence isn't limited to one place on earth, but wherever communities of God's people come together, he will be there. Both personally and corporately, we need to experience the Spirit in ongoing ways. Acts 19 verse 2, when Paul turns up in Ephesus, we're preaching out of the book of Ephesians, he asked a question of the first disciples he met, he said this, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when or after, it it says when in the NIV, but it could be after you believed. Let me ask you a question. When you believed in Jesus Christ, did you receive the Spirit? You should know. You should know if you have received the Spirit. Paul expected those first 12 disciples that he met, he expected them to know whether they had or had not received the Spirit. It's the same for us. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher of the last century, this quite amazed me because it came from him and he was quite a sort of um, stayed in his style, but he said this, we can be so afraid of excesses, we are so afraid of being labelled in a certain way that we claim baptism of the Spirit to be something unconscious, non-experimental, a happening that does not affect man's feelings. Such an argument is utterly unscriptural. The Bible, when the Holy Spirit turns up in the Bible, it affects us. We know he has turned up. And we must not settle for less. Amen? Baptism in the Spirit is something we should know has happened. You may say, Paul, well, how will I know if I've been baptised in the Holy Spirit? Two ways. First way, power for living. Power for life. Secondly, an inward um, testimony, inward verification that we are God's children, that He is our Father in heaven. There is something in here that changes. Church, we need to be one that pursue God and expect the Holy Spirit to turn up. Lively music is not charismatic. Prophecy, words of knowledge, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, discernment of what is happening, that is charismatic. And whether it's community groups going or the church gathered, we must be hungry to see the Holy Spirit at work and operating in our lives. I mentioned it before. Moses and Israel, Exodus 33, it says this, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And in verse 14, God says to Moses, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you. 
I will give you rest. How did Moses know that God was with him? He provided manna from heaven. Water came out of the rock. The Red Sea parted. Plagues were set on Egypt. Um, Fire went before them and a pillar of cloud. There was lots of supernatural activity taking place. God was with them. Supernatural miracles, healings should be part of what we do as a church if we're a Bible-believing church. Amen? And we must not settle, we must not be passive when it comes to these things. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We need to be a church where God's presence is very powerfully with us. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let's stand. Just before the children come up, come in. When we raise our hands, I'm just going to pray that as a people we would be a community that experienced God's presence in real and tangible ways. He's not just for conferences. He's not just for guest preachers. He's for community groups. He's, he's for the school gate. He's for Sunday mornings, every Sunday morning. He's for Megamix and Wrigglers. Holy Spirit, we love your presence. We thank you that we are recipients of the promise. Right, right back in the Old Testament, the promise of the Spirit was prophesied about. Lord, my prayer for this church is that we would be a people who know you really well. I pray we'd be a people that keep in step with you. I pray we'd be a people that grow in you. Holy Spirit. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be very comfortable to be with us. I ask, Lord, would we not quench you, but would always be open to what you have got on the agenda. I pray, Holy Spirit, even now as you're with us, would you stir our hearts afresh, Bring fresh faith. Lord, I pray if there are people that need healing physically this morning, would you come in mighty power, I pray, and bring healing. If captives need being set free, I pray would you set them free, in Jesus' name. I pray would you distribute your gifts afresh among us and cause faith to stir in our hearts. I pray, Lord God, would you very much be with these community groups as we send them out, Lord, would you go with them with great power. Lord, would you back up the testimony of their word with power, with signs and wonders, we pray, Lord God. We ask you for a stepping up in your activity, in your visible activity among us, day by day, week by week. Oh, Lord God, I pray, Lord, if there are those that are hurting this morning, Holy Spirit, would you come right now and Just bring confirmation that they are loved by you. Lord, I pray those that, when I was talking about being totally forgiven, washed clean, and yet in their hearts they just still feel dirty and unloved, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you rush in. 
and reveal the Father's love to them. Lord, we say we want to be a community that is very much in step with you. Lord, we we open ourselves up. It's such a privilege to know you. Come and have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.